morning. I hope everyone had a good week and a good weekend so far. Uh, we're going to continue our study in the, the Holy Spirit and then we will, uh, hold on, we'll just see how far we go on this. But anyways, let's, uh, let's get started with a word of prayer and we'll get into class. 
Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings you give us. We thank you for the freedom and the opportunity we have to come and study your word, to sing praises to you, Lord, to, to worship you, and remember all the things you've done for us. And hopefully take some things and, and learn that we learned today and take them out to the world and use them to bring others to you, Lord. Just ask that you bless us as we go through this class. Help it to be things that we can apply and, and learn and use in our everyday life. And we ask that you be with all those who are sick out there. We ask that you continue to be with this COVID situation, help it to continue to get better so we can get into, a, I guess, a new normal and, and move on, Lord. Thank you for everything you do for us in Christ, and we pray. Amen. All right, so, so last week we kind of uh, we went over the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and this week we are going to look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, last week I made a mistake. And Steve McGee made sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. No, I, I did. I, uh, um, it was something I put in. Uh, and you, you, when you're talking about things, especially in a in a plural sense, you know, you, you. So I put the fruits of the Holy Spirit last week. And and Steve, he did. He came and he got all over me. And and no, I'm just kidding. He he came to me very nicely. And and, and we we talked about it. And at first, I was like, well, that's kind of a small thing. But the more I talked to him about it and the more I started to, to study it, especially this week, that's a very important thing. And, and the reason being is there's, there's a big difference between the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people are like, well, Chad, that's really not. But it is, and it, there, this is the reason why it is. The fruit, when I say the fruit in a singular form, that means all of these things are what you're supposed to have. If I say fruits of the Holy Spirit, then people can say, well, I have some of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, but I don't have other. You know, I might have love, but I'm not very patient, right? And so with this, you, cannot, you can't do that. You can't say, well, if you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You're not just going to have some of them. And so I, I want to look at that as we go through. So... Um, like I said, he, he did. He kindly corrected me on it, and I think that's a very good point because things like that I want to make sure that we, we apply correctly because I don't want to give anyone an excuse to say, well, yeah, I, I have love, joy, and peace, but, you know, patience and kindness, some of these other things I'm just not real good at because that's not the way that works. If you have one, you're going to have all of them, or, or you're supposed to have all of them, and that's the way that works. So <clears throat> most of y'all know we're probably going to start. Well, we are going to start. Yep, go ahead. Plural. Yes. And then he names all kind of evil things that you can actually say, okay, I may be involved in this or this, but not all these things. Whereas, if by contrast, he talked about the fruit singular of the Spirit. And I think there's a big contrast yes. there in, when you look at that and the reason for that. I agree. I agree. I do think there, that. And I think there's a reason that he went from a, from a plural to a, to a singular in that example. So, Galatians 5, verses 22 through 26. But the Holy Spirit produces, and most of us know this song, we can, we, we've memorized it, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are no law, there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature, which Dad was just talking about, or in what, he, what he was talking about later, earlier in this, to his cross, and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, 
which we've been talking about. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. We've been talking about that too. We need to, we need to, to tie in and to plug into to this Holy Spirit that's been given to us and, and use Him to guide us in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Again, talking about a lot of the, the spirits here. So here's a list of the fruit of the Spirit. Again, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But if you notice something here, and I, and I think this is done on purpose, the first one is listed is love. And I, and I don't believe that that's a mistake. I believe that is, that was done on purpose. I think love is listed there on purpose, and I think there's a reason. Because, and we're going to find out as we, we go through today, love ties all those together, the rest of those together. Love is the key, the foundation of everything else that's listed in that list there. And so that's what we're actually going to look at today. I'm going to spend, I believe, all of today talking about love. And there's a reason for this. One, I don't think we study this subject enough. I think we like to talk about it, uh, some, but I don't believe we actually study love, true biblical love, enough. If we look at this, it is the very core. This four-letter word is the very core of everything in the Bible. It is the foundation of everything in the Bible. It's truly the basics of our Christianity, the very basics of everything that we're supposed to do. So I'm going to go into a little bit of a background on the word love in the Bible. The Hebrew word for love is ahava. And it has, it's a broad term in Hebrew. And it's used many different places. It usually tends to list under affection, an affection for one another. But there's some other examples. For example, when the king of Persia has, it describes as the king of Persia's love for Queen Esther. That was a sexual desire, but it was still the word ahava. If you look at Abraham had love or ahava for his son Isaac. Also, the Israelites had love or ahava for King David, and it's also used to talk about the, a brotherly love. Now, this is in the Old Testament again, brotherly love in the Old Testament. So that's kind of a background on the, the, the Hebrew word for love. If we get into the Greek, there's when you actually try to research this, there's a lot of varieties. Some say there's six Greek words for love. Others say there's eight Greek words for love. Others say there's even more than that. And it depends on how you, you, you look at the actual words. The Greek language is a very, very detailed language. And, and, and so it, it, it was, a per, one, I believe, a perfect language for, for writing the Bible, and especially the New Testament. But I'm going to go over six, <coughs> excuse me, six words here uh, in the Greek that is used. The first one is agape, which is an unconditional love or the love of God. Right? It's the greatest love that you can have. It's, it's the... There's no love that's greater than agape. The other words, eros, is a sexual love or passion or burning, well, you know, usually described, um, Ares is kind of the, the god of love, was, was used uh, to, that was a word used for her. This isn't in the Bible, this verse, or this word isn't used in the Bible, but it was used in the Greek. Philia. Or phileo is sometimes is in, in, in the Greek. 
is brotherly love or friendship. Is where we get our term Philadelphia from. Storge. This was uh, love between family. You know, parents' love for uh, a child. So, so kind of like family love relationship. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself and forgot to change. This next one, and I'm going to try to pronounce this, was philotia, which is self-love or love of self. Now, this could be used in, in, in two, a negative term or a positive term. In the negative side, it was an arrogance, you know, thinking one better than a lot of people. But in the, uh, in the positive side, it was being self-assured, right, confident in yourself. And then the last one, Xenia, which was a hospitality or, or guest friendship. In the South, we would be you know, known as Southern Xenia, Southern Hospitality, a, a love of a, of a, that kind of a love of a guest or a stranger that you didn't really know. There's some other ones that, that they kind of go into, but these were the six that I, that I wanted to focus on and kind of go over in the Greek. Now, in the New Testament, Depending on who you ask, they'll say there's two or three. I put three here, and we'll look at storge here in a minute. The two most common ones that are used is agape and philea, which is the love of God and then brotherly love. So we'll look at some examples real quick here. So agape and philea, the best, to me anyways, personally, the best example of these two being used is after Christ's um, crucifixion and is raising from the dead, and Jesus sits down and has a conversation with Peter. And in that conversation, you know, Peter had just denied Christ three times, you know, kind of turned his back on him. And so Christ is kind of bringing him back into the fold here. And so they have a conversation. So if we look in John 21, verses 15 through 17, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love, and this is the agape, it's pronounced agapao, I believe is how that's pronounced. I'm not good with languages, so I use my best on this one. Do you love, or agape, me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I phileo you. He could not respond with agape, because he knew that it was not true, especially with what he had just done. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Then the second time, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Agape me. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I phileo you. Then take care of my sheep. Then the third time, or a third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? He come down a level. Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, there's a lot of correspondence here on, on, you know, of why he asked him this three times, right? Because he denied him three times. And so it was coming back and, and going back over and kind of Jesus' way, I believe, of bringing him back into the fault of who he was and forgiving him for, for the things that he had done, for what he had done. But he drops it down to that third one that last time 
because he knows that that's the kind of love that, that, you know, that, that Peter was talking about and because Peter knew he could not say, yes, I agape. Go ahead. Reinstating this simple Peter. The thing that's encouraging to me as a Christian <clears throat> is that even he, though he don't have the highest love for God, which we're supposed to be yep. trying to strive for, even though he had a lesser love, he still told him, I'm going to use you in my kingdom, in my will. And I, I appreciate that about the Lord. Yeah, yeah, because if we... If we had to have the same love of God that he has of us, well, all of us would fail at that. Well, I, don't, I don't think we would, we would get there. That's an almost, an, it's not, a, I don't want to say it's an impossible task, but it's, it's, a, it's a very high one to try to get to. The next one, or the third one, which is only, I, could, I think I only found this once. Go ahead. No matter what. Yeah. And that's what Jesus was trying to get to Peter and say, hey, I'm at this level. You need to be at this level. You need to love on this up here at this area. And Peter was like, man, you know, I'm down here. <laughs> yeah. you know, I can do it this way right here. I'm not really there yet. So. Yeah. So the next one, Storge, which is, is not used in its sense by itself in the in the in the new testament but it is used in a form in a compound form in romans twelve ten. uh the new american standard says be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another in honor and um but the greek word here is and, and i'm going to try to say this philostagos and that is a combination of brotherly love and family love it's a compound word that, that is used together there. So that's kind of an example. I wanted to put that in there just because that was, that was used in that example. But for the most part, what you see in the New Testament is agape and phileo, the two types of love that you're going to see in the New Testament. So there, there's kind of five points, I think, or may, the major points. I wanted to go over some major points of love. I, honestly, we could probably do a 52-week series on love in the Bible if we wanted to. Um, but I wanted to kind of break this down a little bit and just go over some major points. And, and the reason I'm going to spend, I don't think I'm going to spend as much time on the rest of the fruits, but the reason I'm going to spend as much time on, on the fruit of love is because, again, this is the most important, I believe. I, I, I truly, and we're going to look at why I believe that, because the Bible says that it is. But I think we, gotta, we need to get this foundation right. And we really need to, I think we need to, as Christians, I think we need to, to reassess and go back and look at the, this foundation of love and, and, and what it is and how we are supposed to show it to others and what it's supposed to look like on us. So i got five points that we'll look at. Now, again, there's, there's a, probably 20 more I could have come up with, but we are limited in the time. So the first one, love is the greatest. It is the very foundation <coughs> of everything that exists. We were created because of it. We still exist because of it. And we were saved or have the opportunity to be saved because of it. And obviously, you'll probably know where I'm going to go. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3. If I could speak all languages of earth and angels, I wonder what the, the, the language of angels is. I wonder what that, what that is. Anyways. 
but didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Anyone in here play percussion? All right, I got one. You ever play the gong? You ever play cymbals? All right, those are my two favorite. I was good at them. You know, you, you know, we would think, well, gong is not something to be very good, uh, not something very hard to be good at. It does take a talent because with a gong, one, you have to warm it up, and two, you have to hit it at the exact point that the crescendo, or is it a crescendo? Anyways, the highest point in, in, in a music, when you're, that is when you're supposed to hit it. So if you just go around and hit a gong, you, anyone had just heard a gong being hit by itself? It doesn't sound very good. Yeah, but if you take a gong and you're in the middle of a, of, of a, of a, a musical, um, play, playing music, and you're, and you're playing the gong, and you warm that gong up just right, you can kind of hear that it, it building itself up. And then when you hit that gong, if you hit it just right when everything else hits together and it makes that noise, it, it's actually quite beautiful. But yeah, if I'm just sitting there hitting a gong, going around hitting a gong, anyone ever, so what's funny is we had a, um, we were in Charlotte one time for a um, conference and we had a friend of ours, it was his birthday. No, it wasn't his birthday. We made up the fact that it was his birthday just so they would come out and give him a But anyways, um, they come out with this little gong and they sing happy birthday. And they just hit the gong and sing happy birthday. And I want to be honest with you, it does not sound good. And so that, that's, that's what he's talking about here. Um, if you've ever played cymbals, I, I like doing cymbals. I used to love, I used to do when I was in marching band, I did the symbols for the, the national anthem. You know, and when you're, when you're doing that, and if you hit those, those keys just right, I mean, you hit those points just right, it sounds awesome, especially if you can, you can hit them and then come off, you know, let it just kind of vibrate a little bit in the air and, and just go along with the, the, the music. It sounds good. But if I just grab a pair of cymbals and I just start going around and hitting them, and more, more people are just going to get a headache more than anything. And that's the, the example that he's using here. You, know, you can have, you could speak every language in the world, even the language of angels, but if you don't have love, it's going to sound horrible. Verse 2. If you have the gift of prophecy, and if you understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if you had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. In this verse, this second verse, he's saying he's almost putting you as equivalent to God. Right? You, you know everything God knows. You, you, can, you know all the, the gift of prophecy. You know, you have the faith where you, you can move mountains. But yet, if you don't have any love, it's nothing. And third, the verse three, if I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. If I could die for someone else. And then you skip ahead to 13, verse 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So here's an interesting thing. As I study chapter 13 here, what do we usually use chapter 13 for? Weddings, right? Marriage, things like that. Now, it applies. But he's actually still talking about, and if you look, he starts in spiritual gifts in 12. He goes to, to unity in the body in the, in the second half of 12. And then he goes to love in 13. And then he goes back to gifts in 14. And then about how worship and how we are to worship. 
This is all tied together. He's talking about spiritual gifts. And he's talking about different people having different spiritual gifts. And then some of the, the, the disunity that was happening because of that. And so th this love is not about marriage and, and the love that we're supposed to have. It, it, it applies. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the love between the members of the church and how we are supposed to act and how we are supposed to treat each other and how, what love is supposed to look like inside the church. And we'll get into that a little bit more. And then the, the second part of love being the greatest, Matthew twenty two thirty six 36 through 40. And this is where the, they're trying to test Jesus, and, and so they ask him about the greatest commandment or the most important. In verse 36, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 39, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Everything that we have is based on those two things. That is why love is the greatest. Because if you have love, all the other things are going to fall into place. And they're going to happen, or they should. Yes. Did you put see what Greek words he used to love? Yes, those are agape. Yes. In this in this two verses, and I meant to say that. I'm thank you for, for uh, questioning that. Yes, the, the love here is an agape love. It is not phileo. It is we are to love God with a godly love, like he loves us. So that is what we are to strive for. I, and I think that's on purpose because if he would have put brotherly love there. Well, that would have given us a little bit more of an excuse maybe not to be, I think, where we need to be on a level of loving God. Yeah, it's a lot easier. <laughs> yes, sac very sacrificial. And unconditional. Unconditional, yep. It's where Jordan says, you know, hey, I love you enough that I'll go out there and die for you. Well, it's like you just said a minute ago. It's a love where it's unconditional. There's no conditions behind it. I'm going to love you no matter what. I don't care what you are, what you've done, you know, those type of things. It's a, it's a love for someone regardless of their entire past and maybe some of the things they're going to do in the future. And, and that's, the, that's the love God had to have for us because, I mean, you think about it, he knew, you think of the love that it took to create the world and create us. He knew from the moment he created us that he was going to have to send his son to die for us. You know, that is an unconditional love. Love. If I knew I was going to do something and me doing that was going to cause me to have to send Kylie to be killed for it, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, y'all are out of luck. You know? And so that is an unconditional type of love. And most of our love, being from a, from a well, at least human love, or, you know, from a, from a human nature, is, is a conditional love. I'll love you if you love me back, or I'll love you if you do these certain things. Right, or if you're a certain way. So, all right, so my next two points, I kind of bundled them together, is that God is love, and we only love because of Him. So, if we look in 1 John 14, or 4, sorry, verse 16, 
We know how much God loves us. And again, this is the agape um, love here. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. You know, God doesn't just love. God is love. Like he is truth, he is also love. So it's not a thing that he does. It is a thing that he is. And that's what we are try, that is what we are trying to become when we try to become like Jesus. All who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So that is an example of what God is and who we are supposed to try to be. 1 John 4, 19, then that second note, we love each other because he loved us first. Without him loving us, we could not love. No, definitely not. The human understanding of love, just secular flesh understanding of love is, is far, far, far below yes. what God yes. has for us. Very much so. All right, my third point. It is proof of who we are. If we look in verses John 13, John talked a lot about love. We look at John 13, 34, and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking. Love each other just as I have loved you. Again, this is agape. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so this is an interesting thing here, and and I don't mean to belittle some of the, the other things I'm about to mention here, but if you look at the things that prove that we are followers of God, right? It's not our baptism. It's not our faith. It's not our church attendance or our Bible knowledge, right? Those things are important. You have to have those things. But how are we going to be known? How is someone going to look at us and say, that person is a a disciple of Christ? Our actions, right? How we show each other love. It, it, It goes down to that. The other things are important. They're commanded, right? You have to have faith, but you can't have faith without love. You need to be baptized, but you can't be baptized without love. Church attendance is important, but without love, it's worthless. Bible knowledge is important, but without love, it's pointless. Um, Are you going to use 2 Peter in your stuff? I believe I do. Maybe not. No, I don't. Second Peter one. Okay. Make sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from five through seven, it talks about things of building up your faith and all this stuff. And it's like a like a building block. Yeah. This is Peter talking, right? He's you know applying all diligence to your faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self control, building, building, building. Then he goes to brotherly love, brotherly kindness. Yes. And he ends up with love. Yeah. Same path that Jesus took him on. Yeah. Building, building, building. Yeah. And, and it's something. Yeah. We're not going to be a Christian one day. Like we're going to start out. You know, I give my life to Christ this day, and immediately have this agape love. Right. It is something we are going to work toward, and we will work towards the rest of our life because you, there's the battle, the human nature. You know, I'm going to get angry with people. I'm going to get irritated with people. All right, they're going to make me mad. I'm going to say things I shouldn't say. 
But, you know, as we hopefully grow in Christ, those things are fewer and fewer in our lives. Yes. Yes. That is agape love. Most of the references to, to love, especially uh, when it's talking about being in Christ or, or, or like Christ, it is an agape type love. Um, a lot of the times the love that, that they use, uh, where it uses phileo or Philadelphia, is talking about having a brotherly love toward one another. You know, and that was, uh, but most of the time when they're referencing like loving, you know, for God so loved the world, for you know, all those type of things, it's, it's an agape love. <laughs> so this one, I guess, is going to uh, apply to Robbie. If we lack love. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if we lack love, right? What happens if we lack love? Again, well, we don't spread the gospel. And we're going to look at that here in a second. 1 John 4, 8. Again, John talks a lot about love. I mean, all the, all the apostles do and the writers of the uh, New Testament do, but I think John seems to hit on it more than others. Yeah. 1 John 4, 8, but if anyone does not love, and this is an agape love, right? Does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Now, I don't believe this means that you have to have an agape love to know God. It is, I believe in it, and I think if we looked at the context of the Greek here, it is something that we need to be striving for. So what does it mean if you don't know God? In John, uh, the high priestly prayer, as they call it, he said, he said this is uh, the salvation that they would know the one and only true God. So if we don't know God, obviously we're not going to be saved. Exactly. If you don't show love or don't attempt to have a godly love, then you do not know God. Therefore, you do not know salvation. The next one. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer. Now, the Greek word hate here is maseo, and it means to love less. So this isn't just you hate a believer. You hate a believer, or you love less, a believer less than God. And this is talking about agape here as well. So if you do not love God, and your brother or tempt to the same, then what does the Bible say there? That person is a what? A liar. For if we do not love people we can see, how can we love God who we can't see? And again, that's the same word used in Luke 4, or 14, 26, which talks about you must hate your brother or sister, or your mother, you know, which means, and follow Jesus, right? It meant love less, right? You, you must love less. Oh, yeah. Because, how can I say it? There are certain people in this congregation, I mean, I love everyone, but there are certain people in this congregation I just, I don't want to say love more, it's just I... Easier to love. I, I, yeah, I think it's easier <laughs> to love. And there are certain people that is not as easy to love. And, I, and I'll be honest, I struggle with that on a daily basis. Um, and now that's, 
say, yeah, I love that. I'm not naming names that particular person in mm. politics, but this person here and there. Yeah. It, 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 that's a struggle for me. It is hard. And I think it's hard for a lot of people. Um, and, and that's why this is, is, is what Steve just talked about. That's why it's a sacrificial love. It, you're going to have to sacrifice you know, your, your ego, your, your you, know, you know, maybe being hurt, maybe, you know, putting things to a side in order to achieve this type of love. I, I think part of the problem is, is that we have fallen into the trap of allowing the world to define love instead of going by what we're studying we right have. now. The world's idea of love is if you disagree with me, then you can't love me. Yep. You're intolerant, you're a bigot, you're a hundred other things. Whereas, as Christians, we believe I can disagree with someone vehemently, especially people that's living against God's will and are in sin. I can disagree with them, but still love them. And I, and I think we people have a hard time making that separation sometimes. Because I hear even Christians say something like, I just can't accept what that person is doing. Yep. I can't accept that lifestyle. It's horrible. It is, and we shouldn't accept it, but we can love the person. And, that, and that's where we got to make that separation, I think. I agree, and I, and I think to that, like what you just said there, I don't think we've done a good job sometimes of showing that love either, right? We, we come, you do something we don't like, and we're going to come down on you with, with a ton of bricks, right? We're going to come down on you as hard as we can in a very unloving fashion instead of like the love like Christ showed those very same people. And so I, that's a perfect segue then into what does, and the final point, what does love look like? Well, I think the ultimate verse, we all use this verse a million times, you see it everywhere, is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Like I talked about just a minute ago, God sent his Son, or I'm sorry, God created the world knowing everything he was going to have to do, everything that was going to happen, but yet he did it anyway. And again, this is definitely an agape love in this verse. That's what love looks like from God. What does love look like for us? What is, what is love supposed to look like for us? And that's where we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. And it's a lot of things. <clears throat> and all of these apply to us. This is not just... One thing, or a couple things we should strive for, every single one of these is stuff that we should strive for. Love is patient. Love is kind. Patience is one I have to work on. I'm not a very patient person sometimes. Love is not jealous, or boastful, or proud. Again, this is the New Living Translation. It's a little bit different than NIV or North American Standard. Go ahead. This is the fruit of love. Yes. Yes, like Steve, Steve just said, this is the fruit of love. Right? All these things are tied up just in love. And so if you see some of these actually tie into the fruit of the Spirit. All of them, actually. But, I mean, they're specifically mentioned here. It is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. It does not demand its own way. That's a struggle sometimes. We wanted things to be done our way, right? Burger King. Is it Burger King slogan? Used to be the Burger King slogan? Have it your way, right? It's not irritable. Have you ever seen me without food? <laughs> oh, man. 
Yep. It keeps no record of record of being wronged. How many of us can say that we've forgotten all the wrongs that have been done to us? That's hard. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Sometimes I think that one's a little easier, but sometimes it's not. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Now that is a hard thing to live up to. Now we use it, like I said, we, you know, t- typically we use this, this verse in, 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 in regards to marriage. But this is not what he's talking about here. I mean, it applies. Like I said, it applies to marriage. But he's talking about the relationships inside the church. And this is what the relationships inside the church is to look like. And I've asked the question before, if someone were to look at our, your church or the church that you go to, or if we look around the churches around us, is this what they are known for? Love of one another. Or an attempting to be... And so this is why I wanted to spend so much time on this today, because I think this is the very foundation. If we do not get this part right, we're not going to get anything else right. No, and I agree. I think if we, if we, we truly tapped in and tied in and, and built our foundation, you know, you, you think of Lego building blocks, I guess. It, love would be that, I think, that, that green, the green big platform that you build everything else on top of. I think that's kind of where you would, you would start. Things to make us patient, right? <laughs> when we ask God to help us love others more, what does he give us? The opportunity to love others more. It's people in our direction that absolutely drive us yeah. up the wall sometimes. Yeah. And I offer two, two okay. things I think that would go along with what Robbie's saying. <clears throat> He's my office manager, so I never disagree with him. Seriously, we, we have people that visit us here on a regular, that have, you know, that we say this on a regular basis. Um, last, last week, as a matter of fact, um, several of you all visited with some of our visitors, and I appreciate that. I love y'all for doing that. But this one person said to me how much they loved it here. Yes. First time visiting, because so many people came up and spoke to them and, and acknowledged them and told them how much they appreciated being here. And this person said to me, we went to a church last Sunday, and not one person in that entire large congregation spoke to us. Yeah. Now, brethren, I just don't say how we can say we love people and not do that. Um, secondly, and this is more of my hobby for it, this breaks me to no end. We'll have a someone baptized into Christ, <laughs> a new man. <clears throat> And a majority of the congregation heads to the parking lot afterwards. Instead of coming up and acknowledging that person, 
I'm, I'm spanking our honey this morning, but brethren, <laughs> if we love one another the way the Bible said, that would never happen. That person couldn't get out the building if we did it right. I agree. I agree. Now, I will say, and to what Dad just talked about, I believe that this is a very loving congregation, right? And so I don't want to take anything, but there's, there's, and I don't mean this in a negative way, there is massive room for improvement for all of us when it comes to this subject, right? Always. To get to unconditional love, that, that is and that's something you're going to have to work, out, work on on a, on a daily, if not hourly basis, keep focused on because the, the, those worldly thoughts pop in your head. Man, if someone does you wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm this way. Man, if someone does me wrong, man, I, I, I want to get them back, right? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and it's taken me a long time and it's still even to this day, it's hard for me to keep my mouth shut when someone either insults me or takes, you know, does something, you know, because you just want to go right back at them. And Helen can attest to the fact that I've gotten much better over the last 10 years. <laughs> Yeah. You know, one, thing, one way to look at it is if, if, this church, if this church, the Lake Park Church of Christ, closed its doors, would the community know? Would they even know? So, one I got to ask are you reading what things that are right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I actually, and I'm not going to do it. Anyways, I, I wrote something, and I asked that very question. Right? If we shut down tomorrow, never open back up, would Lake Park Church, or Lake Park, sorry, would the city of Lake Park really even notice, besides the fact that that building's closed now? Would they miss this congregation being here? They may, and this is one of the things I said, they may miss our VBS, they might miss our trunk or treat. Or they may miss us singing, you know, at the Christmas thing. But, no, I'm yeah, not to say that those are not positive things, but is, is that all they're going to miss? You know, if, if what the...